Hi there, Jonathan Williams, and we're back again at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. We're buying, we're selling, we're renting, we're doing a bit of investing as well. We're trying to float your boat and light your candle. Just back from Glen Bar down in Kintyre, five-hour round trip down there. We've been trying to sell a property down there for the best part of 18 months or so. And it's a tough old market to track crack down there. Uh, we've got a, a three-bedroom cottage down there and it just doesn't seem to be moving. So what I think we're going to end up doing is trying to rent that out. But we've got problems with a septic tank. We've got problems with the water supply as well. So I was down there doing a five-hour round trip and digging some trenches. It's Sunday. It was pishing down with rain all day. And I tell you what, it's not something you want to be doing, digging some trenches. But it's been done. We'll get uh, the plumber back out and we'll connect up the water and we'll try and get it rented out. This week, Johnny Riley. Johnny Riley, estate agent out at Retty's, plying his furrow, furrow out there in Bear's Den. He's now moved over to the south side, Kilmarnock Road, on the Sunshine Strip there, south side of Glasgow. I tell you what, there's some competition out there for him. But if anybody's going to make a success of it, Johnny Riley will. We've got him on the show. Great interview with Johnny. And we talk about the south side market. We obviously talk about his journey into property. But probably one of the best insights we've got is his view on Purple Bricks and how that's changing the market and whether or not that's something that estate agents out there need to take recognisance of. Hockey season, well that's started again hasn't it? We're now into 1st of September, the girls have had a couple of games. Number one seems to be doing pretty well, she's on the cusp of the uh, the district setup. she's been doing some training with them so we'll know probably in the next fortnight or so whether or not she's got the gig for that. She's training incredibly hard. She's doing well with the, the school hockey and, and sort of beginning to look to try and break through into the first team at the club. And number two, she's hot on the heels behind her sister. She's playing for the, the school side as well and uh, has just broken into the fourth team at GHK. Was, we were down there watching her at Annie's Land just there on Saturday and Muggins here ended up having to do the coaching. Quite what I know about coaching hockey, you could probably write on the back of, back of a fag packet. So quite why I ended up being summoned out onto the pitch to do the coaching role, God only knows. But I tell you what, a 13-0 win, it looks as if I might get the gig for the rest of the season. I tell you what, it's something that I'm going to try and body swear because it's just there's too much going on, I have to say, for me to be able to look at doing that. One downside was the Robert Nixon interview. I'd had hoped to get the Robert Nixon interview. You'll recall that he's from Spears Gumley. He's the renting, uh, the rental director out there at Spears Gumley. And me bad, 
I've deleted the bloody interview. Cannot, the only time I've ever done that. And I was just about to go out to see Johnny Riley, sat in the car and I thought, gosh, I don't, I want to make sure that there's enough recording space on the recorder. And I just merrily started to delete this, that, and the next thing. And before I knew it, I'd lost the flipping interview. So Johnny, uh, Robert, if you're listening to this, we need to get back in touch. We need to get you back and uh, do that interview because there was some great stuff in there. Listen, prattling on as I always do, far too much. Let's get Johnny on and talk purple bricks about other things. So we better get an introduction done, yeah. otherwise we'll be personally away. Exactly. We'll, we've done half an hour and uh-huh. we've nothing more to speak about. Exactly. So it's Jonathan Williams here at the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Um, I'm very rarely do you find me on the south side of the city, but uh, Johnny Riley phoned me up. He's just opened a new branch in Retties, and I thought, you know what? I'll take a dip out there and we'll chew the fat with Johnny. So I'm sat here in Johnny's new office. You've I tell you what, you've made a good job of it. It's very plus. You should Isn't have seen it? it. Yeah, you should have seen it uh, three months ago when we first looked at it. It was terrible. Was but it? It's lovely now. And <laughs> we're in the Sunset Strip of Kilmarnock Road. And I tell you what, you turn left, you turn right, and there's estate agents everywhere. What was this before? This was a surveyor's. Was uh, it? Right. A surveyor shop. Yes. Okay. So they were selling home report out of here. Good, yeah. good, okay. But I believe it's got quite a checkered history. I believe it has been an estate agent three times. Right. As well as several surveyors, and I don't think anybody would spent any money in it for about 30 years. Well, Johnny, if it's in your capable <laughs> hands, then I'm sure you'll be making a huge success of this. Um, so let's just wind the clock back a little bit and tell me about your journey into property I know you were Slater Hogg for a number of years and then into Retties, but prior to Slater Hogg, what did what did you do? What did you try yeah, your hand at? I, uh, I believe it or not, I'm a textile buyer to trade. So uh, right. I travelled extensively buying uh, clothes for chain store groups and right. uh, design pallets and uh, going to... Uh, um, the Paris uh, Paris Fashion Week and these kind of things and pulling together designs. Right, so that's why in your LinkedIn you've got the three, the, you've got the, the the pinstripe there, and I thought you look awfully dapper. So you you must have <laughs> kept that going then. Yeah, absolutely. I think Good. it's a, you know it, it it's a, it's no secret for anybody, and if you speak to anybody in the trade, that retail is incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, although. You know, when I was there 20 years ago, they were all saying it was very difficult and the high street will disappear and all the rest of it, but they're all still there. They're still they're all doing well. Yeah. So, yeah. So, dealing in the threads, and then you decide, well, what was the decision? Why did you decide, I'm going to well, be Well, predominantly, my, my father had a business in, uh, in the rag trade. He had a, a large agency business, which I was in for a very short period of time. Uh, and he decided that it might be better if I tried something else. Right. So, <laughs> so your hand was forced. <laughs> of, of I clearly wanted to keep all the profit for himself and right. tell me how bad it was. Because <laughs> uh, he's still working. At oh, 76. is he? There you go, right, okay. <laughs> so uh, off I went and cut myself as a, as a trainee with Slater Hogan House. Right. And, and so who did you train with? 
trained with I, I trained with the West End initially, right? In okay. Byers Road office. And any names that I would recall? Oh, remember? there's some long-served <laughs> names in uh -huh. there. There's uh, that you know Johnny Dixon springs to mind. Oh, who's right, been so with them for about right. twenty years. Okay. Uh, Angela Wright, who's been there for thirty. Oh gosh, she years. is still there. Yeah. Yes, uh -huh. so she still manages it. But yep. uh, yeah, it's a it, it's a great trade. So I decided to do that, and then spent a little bit of time in Deniston, right? Which was uh, education, some fantastic property. Uh -huh. and, is that uh, before that? Tenements. That'll be before the drives, as they call it now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, very much so. I it remember was, phoning up the I remember phoning up the estates. This is maybe a couple of years ago. And I said I wanted to put an offer in at a property in Finlay Drive, and and she was very proud and said, "Well, that will be one of the drives." I think yeah. the drives are talking Denison. <laughs> yes, exactly. For God's sake! But the quality of tenement there is absolutely oh, superb. I bought my first flat yeah, there, yeah, Finlay yeah. Drive, eighty Finlay Drive, and just beautiful red sandstone yeah. predominantly. Um, I think one of the streets, one of the drives, is is um, white yellow sandstone, but yeah. Good, good quality stuff. Oh, lovely, and the proper cornice and pitch pine floors yeah. and all these kind of things. No, they're absolutely And still going lovely. a bomb out there? Oh, yeah. The the, the drives, as you <laughs> refer to them, are, are still very popular. But mm -hmm. then I went uh, semi-rural. I went to Stirling. All right, OK. So I did the Stirling and the uh, Perser markets. And this was back in the day still at Slater Hall? This was back in the right. days at okay. Slater Hall. So I continued in that market up until... Uh, finished there in 2012 right and the training people talk about the training that they get at Slater Hawk and tell me a little bit about that I mean pretty I think good. I, oh yeah absolutely I mean most people that have or not most people but a, a good number of people that have enjoyed some real success elsewhere uh, including ownership of businesses and whatever have come through the mm -hmm. Slater Hawk training ground yeah yeah. Um, you know, I think the business there, well, the business now, uh, Slater Hog, is so diversely different yes. to uh, what was known at the start. You know, obviously, when the PLC got involved in it, mm. there was a huge amount of add on, um, you know, with surveyors, uh, surveyor firms that were uh -huh. in the group, with mortgage proposition, with conveyancing, with. Home reports, selling houses, rental, yes. you know, and it, it, it became very much that you needed to tick all the boxes. And obviously you've got Countryman and you've got Slater Hawk, yeah. owned by the same company. I mean, that can't yeah. last forever, surely. Well, I think it's, uh, they, they, I mean, so far so good mm -hmm. uh, for them. I think they're, the, you know, very aware of... Uh, the online proposition at the moment they are yeah. attempting to combat it uh, just now with a so they've uh, come into the game there they've come into the game yeah. if you pass a Slater Hall shop at the moment you will see in the window 795 including that okay. uh, which is a non-serviced proposition it is purely a listing Right. I'm led to believe you don't have to careful. take a credit co contract out do you? Uh, <laughs> no I believe that's another agent that is doing that if you we'll wish to, to defer, we'll defer the payment uh, we'll come to them but uh, yeah I believe do you know it would be very interesting obviously as you know, it being part of one of the most progressive agents, uh, certainly at the moment and certainly over the last uh, uh, seven years, um, it'll be very interesting to monitor how they're mm. doing. We're aware of it, we're tracking it. You know, it, it, it's not so much, uh, I don't think it's our model, 
but I think we have to be very aware of, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's always a place for a service to be fair. Yep. And, you know, the fact that you can walk in the front door here and see me, see the girls mm-hmm. and know exactly where we are, then it's... And that's you know, the thing, I guess, the bricks and mortar, the high street offering, that's the thing that they have to put front and centre in front of the public because that's the thing that differentiates you that service model that you will fight the corner with regards to getting the best possible price well yes i, I mean it's a it, it's it, you know it, it's a fantastic model the the volume model but at the end of the day on a fixed fee and with the property expert paid their commission immediately there isn't you know they they'll get a uh, they'll get a fixed fee, a commission for taking the house on the market for yes. the listing. And that's their job is then over. Penny. So, so there is, what's the incentive? There is no incentive. And there's no incentive to get well in excess of uh, the mm. survey value and go to closing dates and do the various things because they've been paid. Yeah. So it's on to the next listing uh-huh. because it's a volume model with overheads like everybody else. Yes. So they have to drive it. And I think the interesting thing is uh, if you are... Uh, if you pay up front, well, you do pay up front, and if you can't pay up front, I'm led to believe that it's deferred, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which is then, I think there's other, I think there's other conditions of the deferred payment where you have to use their yeah. conveyancer and uh, to buy and sell. Yeah, I guess you, if you're in that situation where you were only getting that payment and you weren't getting then another payment when the property was sold. If you were going to try and make a success of it, if I was trying to make a success of that, what you would want to try and do is try and almost get yourself away from Purple Bricks whilst use their marketing, but make yourself an individual as such so that people knew you as an individual and an individual estate agent, something that obviously they do in the States that I think Remax tried to bring over here and it never worked. But I guess maybe that's where purple bricks will be successful and they will also be not so successful because it will be very much led by the individual estate agent and I guess I suppose that that's also true of any estate agent is that they're coming to you people will know you Johnny Riley at Retty's, they'll know Maitland Walker at Retty's. In fact, Maitland has got his name above the the, 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 the door. So yeah. it's very much a personal business. Yeah. Um, and you need, you need to drive that forward. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, it's the service proposition that's driven Retty into the progressive agent that it is. Sure. I mean, no other agent has expanded at the level that we have mm-hmm. uh, over here and what we've more or less done is we've organically grown we've not made uh, okay there's been acquisition made in the on, the on the letting side of it but there's been no acquisition made over other estate agents it's been organically grown yeah uh, you know the, the the only other one that's probably grown at a similar size to, or a similar rate to us is Aberdeen Considine but they have made acquisition of Glasgow solicitor properties yes well ANS Ireland is no correct more. and uh, you know that is a fantastic way to fast track but yep. i think you know you will only ever learn the differences between east and west coast estate agency if you work it yes because the the two concepts although it, it's as simple as 
listing a house, giving it a service, doing the viewings, closing it for the best possible price, the way that we actually set up that proposition is completely different. We open shops and we control a core market, so mm-hmm. we are still very retail-led, Yes. whereas they run it from offices and cover a, you know, a, a radius of you know, 20, 20, miles. So that's a 20, 30 miles. Yeah. They are quite happy. Yeah. Yeah. They can run from an office. They don't need the high street. Uh, they don't need the high street mm. frontage. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a, it's a fantastic model. And I think that must stem, I guess, certainly from the East and having worked in the East as a solicitor, that obviously comes from the ESPC and that yeah. being, if you were in the East, for many years, it was they were the only people who were going to be able to act as an estate agent, and the likes of Savills came in, and then Rettys, and then the, yeah. the other players came and in. Simon established the business from nothing, and you know the amount of, I mean, I'm sure he had the conversation at the very beginning, or or maybe the criticism at the very beginning of you'll never take on the SPC, you mm. won't beat them, you know what are you doing opening as an agent in the, as a pure estate agent in the middle of Edinburgh when this ESPC machine is so dominant. Yes, yes. And I just look and at it, it and now. it's been done. Yes. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's been a slightly underdog story, but it had a real specialism where it was castles, estates, stately homes and farms and very high-end Edinburgh property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think what we've done in the, in, in, in the West is we've proven the brand to be, you know, adaptable. Yeah. Because we don't have we don't have the average selling price that Edinburgh have. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are very much our holding market share is you know, initially when I opened uh, in Bears Den our market share was predominantly five hundred thousand plus, which would show across the whole business it was an absolute Edinburgh model. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, Maitland's model was getting huge market share from 200,000 plus. So, yeah. you know, as the market tightened with LBTT and various things, then uh, in Bears Den, I, you know, we we started to get invited a lot to a lot of things and, and we built that market share too. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, we, we now very much look that our client at 100, 150,000 is our client hopefully one day at you know, 500,000, 700,000, and for those that yeah. do exceptionally well, over a million, mm-hmm. so we can bring them the whole way through. So we would like, rather than starting with solicitors or volume estate agents, we would like them and have them the whole way through and try and offer that relationship in order to try and maintain that. Yes, yes. And I do think that there is something about the estate agent that if you do a good job that first time round that you are remembered yes um so there is it is worthwhile in putting in that good job and giving them a first class service because ultimately for a lot of people it is their most valuable asset that they will ever own absolutely Um, and i guess you guys will be the best at, at understanding that knowing that and holding their hand where necessary yeah, and I think it's, you know, uh, what's very nice for me is, you, you know, I am still getting a number of calls from clients in Bears Den and, you know, all all I've effectively done is removed myself from that market and come over to do another market sure. uh, as, I suppose, as much as development for myself and a change, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm 
still very much there if somebody wants to speak to me. Right. So, you know, the advice is all there. Bear's Den is in, you know, fantastic hands with, you know, one of Bear's Den, well, certainly probably Bear's Den's most successful estate agent ever with James Durward yes. in terms of the amount of houses that he sold, the value of the houses that he's sold accumulatively. So, you know, it's, it's, it's nice and it, it's nice that it can be transformed across the business both Maitland and James like to be in the same area yeah I like change uh-huh. so Good. you know in a five-year period we took it to one of the market leaders certainly it kind of yinged and yang between ourselves and another agent and you know it it was debatable as to whether we could grow it any bigger uh-huh. so uh, a so, bigger market over here and th- this is a fresh challenge. So this is a huge challenge for you because as I sort of alluded to there, you can't go down Kilmarnock Road without bumping into an estate agent, a solicitor. I mean, especially at the back end of Kilmarnock Road where we are at 196 Kilmarnock Road, yeah. there's everybody out here. So that what, what is your biggest challenge? Well, I think a little like, uh, you know, I, I try, actually try not to dwell on it too much, to be fair. I, uh-huh. think, I think we can all dwell on a fear of failure that can drive you. And, uh, you know, everybody told me that I would never make it work at Bears Den, uh, that I'd underestimated the market. And, you know, I think in many cases that was absolutely true. I had completely underestimated it in the first year was incredibly difficult but it is what it is now and it's because it's been driven to that it's yes. not that uh, you know it, it, it it's the fact that it's been run like that it's been driven to uh-huh. where it is uh, and I see and it, we had in a much smaller market the main players there too there is obviously many more players here yes uh, but at the end of the day the main players are also here and you know I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I'm going to do the next thing I'm going to organically grow it, but as quickly as I possibly can. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I would like to be up to leading the market at some point, but that is a good four or five years of graft. And it's, it's something you've got to earn your right of entry here. Yes. It doesn't just come. And Absolutely. The fact that you are ready and co in inverted commas, you've got to prove yourself to the market. Great, so. great. Take you back to the training, yeah. mentoring. I'm a big fan of mentoring both giving mentoring out and having received yeah. mentoring who was who held your hand in those early days i think johnny dixon did uh, a lot for me in terms of mentoring in a, in a west end office but yep. you know i i still uh, i still speak to michael luck for instance who recently oh, right, retired okay. as yep. the managing director of countrywide, yeah. uh, of countrywide. initially he was slater hawk when i was there yes. and then he got the job for both uh, an amazingly knowledgeable man about the market so uh-huh. I think when, whenever we hit you go kind of go back to your mentors whenever we hit a slight stutter because mm-hmm. it's very normal to panic when we hit you know the phone stop and, and you think oh my god yes. you drive everybody in the front office to call out you know make the phones ring and uh-huh. all the rest of Lead it you. and actually you're trying to control something that you have no control over uh-huh. So, you know, it's very important from the mentoring process sometimes to have a relationship with these guys and you almost pick up the phone and they say to you, I was waiting for you to call because I know uh-huh. you want to draw on that experience. And the fact that he was countrywide and Slater Hogg, I mean, th- there is that, I think, if you have a mentor who has taken you from a trainee right through and has seen you growing into you know, where you are now, the fact that you're a competitor, it doesn't really matter 
the most important thing is the mentor relationship and if you've got a strong mentor relationship Absolutely. then you know they'd be more than happy and, to and give you that advice uh, you know it, and until various very fairly recently i mean if you took turnover and profitability they were probably the most successful agent in scotland yeah before the kind of you know quorums and retties of this world took hold mm -hmm. but the secret of that is ownership that's what's driven it is the fact that there is owners and partners in the business you're not employed because you know it, it, you the the whole dynamic is completely different because it's actually um you know my name's come down from above the door in Bear's Den now because I'm not there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm over here and I, cho I chose not to put it up right. here this time uh -huh. <coughs> because I think you know it gives me the opportunity to move around if I want to you know I'd like the business to be about the brand and not necessarily okay all about me yeah yeah uh, which you know uh, I think you know the mindset of everything to win and nothing to lose is an incredibly healthy way to be because you're in here I open the door with one property and it's my job to make it work uh -huh. it's the same in Bears Den I opened the door with one property and it sold 228 last year so it's an amazing transformation when you mm. look back at it from where it was and where it is now and Maitland's exactly the same yeah but it was all driven by probably a slightly unhealthy fear of failure and a slight it's amazing uh, what that does uh -huh. to sharpen and, so and, the yeah, focus and a slightly um no. a slight belief that you that, well you went into it blissfully yeah, naive i'm going to own this right. okay, i'm going to make fortunes there's nothing that can go wrong uh -huh. uh, and then you get through the first 12 months and you think to yourself what have i done <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a story that many of us uh -huh. um, have. Um, but it's so true about that thing about perseverance that yeah. if you, that's one of the things I think that if you're going to run your own business is that you have to have that and you have to have that in spads because if you don't, then you know it's going to it's going to be a real real struggle yeah and i think you know maitland and i would always say this and simon will always slightly disagree but when maitland and i initially opened here it was ready who that i mean people perceived the brand as castles estates daily yes, homes and yes. farms you're coming up there uh-huh there is we're not having them out they're far too posh they're you know they only concentrate in mansions so was it you and maitland that were Ma the sort of and Johnny Dober the flag bearers? No, Maitland was first. Right. Okay. So Maitland was uh, twenty ten. Right. Maitland then came to me in uh, two thousand eleven, and I hummed and hawed about doing it. Right. Uh, and took the took the faithful leap uh -huh. in two thousand. Come in, the water's fine. Come in, yes, exactly. It's it's just right. <laughs> so, okay, okay. and then failed miserably in my first year but a big decision I guess from Retis to decide to come through to the west now did yeah, they, they but they were here before so they were here 2008 the so they opened in Bass Street yes. and that's where and Bass Street was successful for a period of time uh -huh. but then the recession bit yes uh, and you know it became the ability to adapt because they were predominantly doing rural property mm -hmm, and rural mm -hmm. property stopped yeah, yeah. because cost of living cost of commute and all the various things so yep. that's when Maitland uh, first came in and it's been great to, to have a partner uh -huh. Simon because 
you know, we have only really been answerable to him. We haven't been answerable to, you know, mainstream banks, for instance, yeah. and, and these kind of things. So yeah. he's had absolutely the same interest that we have, mm. which can never be a better model, uh-huh. but he's just let us get on with it. Yes. I think that's the getting the right person and allowing them to get on with it because yeah. it's two different markets and I think that if the East had come through and said, "Oh, you have to do it this way because yeah. that's the way it's worked in Edinburgh," and you know that's not going to work. And clearly, they gave Maitland and yourself as much rope as you as you required oh, yeah. to and make a success that, but, of it. But he would quite often say that after an, on a dinner, uh, after after a few drinks and all the rest of it, you've got all the rope you want. Uh-huh. <laughs> Be my guest to hang yourself. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. but at, at the end of the day, but no, that's exactly right. I mean that in the kindest way. Yeah, it's a case yeah. of you're running it. I'm not going to tell you what you're first it to. It's too rude. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but it's along the line of his your head in the block too. But he doesn't use head. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, it, it's sink or swim. Of course, they'll support you through the hard time yeah. uh, as we did. I mean, both Maitland and I opened in the depths of the recession. So, uh-huh. but that the. I think now when people say to you that that's the time to open businesses, then you actually now think, well, maybe you're right. Mm, mm. <laughs> and what about this place was, you said, a surveyor's office. Yeah. Um, how important, if you're going bricks and mortar, is location of your oh, Hugely. We had to be in the main drag, yep. uh, to be fair. And obviously, we have to have class two consent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so class so one is so retail, absolutely. Yep. Class two is office. Uh-huh. So even though we are a retail unit on the high street, we need class two consent. So this came up, but it's a very interesting model for me because again, dwelling back on the online proposition, yep. this is a much smaller shop than we would normally have. Mm-hmm. But it gives me uh, it gives me the high street presence. It doesn't give me the huge overheads. Yeah, uh, and okay. it will be very interesting if we get it. Will be a model to be followed if we get it to a size, where we are out of single frontage effectively. Yes, uh, and a lot of the main guys on double frontage. If we can grow bigger than them, then it's a very interesting model mm-hmm. because it's something that we will probably replicate going forward, knowing that we don't have to have the huge high street. We can almost have. The smaller high street. Yes, but as long as you've got a shiny, shiny Absolutely. name on top, that's Correct. the thing that's going to drive yeah. the business. Not the fact that you've got, you know, a double fronted and that it's full of properties. Because, with the greatest respect, there can't be too many people who. Well, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are still people on a Sunday morning that walk up and down, um, Kilmarnock Road looking at, at the estate agents' windows. But I mean, yeah. surely it's the and the internet is. Right oh, inter, in the internet is the short window. Yes, there is uh-huh. no, there is no question of that. But the high street presence, as far as I'm mind. concerned, no, it's still massively important yep. because it's a place. You know, I have an absolute open door policy here. You know, the clients can come in any time they like. They're yep. more than welcome. Yep. We even use it on uh, pitches sometimes. You know, why don't you pop into the office? We can show you how the system works, etc. Yeah. So it's nice to have that because it is kind of touchy-feely personal rather than mm-hmm. uh, here's my laptop and this is and, what we do. And the other thing I think is that it's a huge selling tool for you because if you can bring them in here, you can meet the girls out Correct. there. They can, if they're smart enough, they'll be listening into calls to see how the phones answer, yeah. how they handle themselves. 
um, and you've got an opportunity of doing a one-to-one sales pitch to them. Correct. So something that you know a purple bricks or an online estate agent just doesn't have. Yeah, and I think it's uh, you know it, it it's a very very clever concept, but my opinion of it, without prejudice to any anybody, is the job's already done before the job's done because you've been paid. Yep. You've listed it online. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you sell it or not because you've got your money. Yeah. So the way that you're doing it is, is yes, there's a motivation to get an under offer or sold on the board because boards breed boards. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. no question of that. Yeah, yeah. But there is no other benefit. There is no, you know, what, what, why is there this motivation to, or the, there is no motivation to give you an absolute complete service to give you the best recommendation yes. to find you what you want, to find mm-hmm. you another house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, okay, if it's if it's not if this is not your idea to be actual expert of the area, you know, I've got something here that ticks all the boxes for this, but it's a street wrong in terms of your school catchment. Yes. But you could always go a placement request for these kind of things. Come and have a look mm. at it. If it's a no, it's a no. Yeah, you know that's the differences. So there are those in the industry who know the pitfalls with going with with purple bricks. Yeah. But they've got this million-pound advertising campaign, Fantastic. Um, and everybody's talking about it. You just need to go onto Facebook. You need to go onto LinkedIn, and there's another. Yeah. I saw one about Willy Wonka. Did, yeah. did you see that one? With uh, there's a picture of Willy Wonka, and there's some strap line. Obviously, Willy Wonka's wearing <laughs> yes, his purple exactly. suit, and there's some derogatory strap line about them. But the the thing I think where they will be successful in gaining market share is that they've got this huge marketing engine that ultimately they will then say to the clients, this is what we're offering. Now, it will only be once people have tried it that they'll think, oh gosh, hold on here. I didn't realize I wasn't getting that. I didn't yeah. get that. And so it's whether or not the individual experiences will trump the million pound uh, uh, marketing oh, campaign abso- as, abso- to ha- abso- as to how successful they're going to and be. I totally agree, but it's a, but it's a build to sell model. Yeah, it's already funded. Yep. It's already publicly listed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the shareholding is is well well funded, mm-hmm. and you only have to look at a uh, right move proposition which has been sold three or four times. Uh, some of it for an excess of a billion and it's been done over and over mm-hmm. again and mm-hmm. you've always got to look at you know if they ever get anywhere near a right move model where they will pay s- around 70 pence in the pound to dividend I mean it's a phenomenal model Yeah. but what it doesn't breed is that continuous service that continuous life cycle mm. that as I mentioned before that client at 100,000 the young person getting on the market to have them with you the whole way through yep. they're never going to compete with that because it is it is, and, and congratulations to them because actually what they've done is build a multi-million pound company mm-hmm. in a very short period of time yep. Yep. where a lot of us would love that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. but at the end of the day we're in it long term in my opinion and again without prejudice I, I, they're building to sell Yep. Or f- or the, to further float or the or these kind of things uh-huh, and uh-huh. you know fabulous model. Yeah. So do you think then if we are talking ten years on and purple bricks are still about 
they will attract a certain client who will know undoubtedly what they're getting themselves in for because at the moment they seem to be being swayed by a multi-million pound advertising campaign yeah yeah. I think I think the, their their marketing campaign has been incredibly clever. You know, commiserations, yeah. uh, all these kind of uh-huh. things. But what you must be aware of is it is purely a listing fee. There is no other service no, after no. that. So, so actually, as a listing fee goes, you know, if they are six nine five as they are in Shawlands, uh, plus VAT. Mm-hmm. So if they are six nine five plus VAT to put you in the market and you manage it all yourself. I can do it for half that price. Yeah. Because I only charge you three fifty mm-hmm. to go in the market to get the internet listing and all the various things. Yeah. So, you know, it, it it's you know, if it's gonna cost you in the long term, if your home report value is let's work in round numbers, two hundred and fifty thousand uh-huh. and they pop up from their system saying you've got an offer of two fifty, but you've not got all the feedback because you're being run out of Birmingham. Mm-hmm. So there isn't where the the actual Scottish system and English system is completely different. So they're very motivated for you to take the first offer. Yes, we say hold. You know, I've got a flat for sale in Mount Florida at the moment that we put on in Thursday. We've had forty six viewings since Thursday. We have fourteen notes of interest. Uh, we'd uh, uh, offer ten thousand over home report value in the second day, to which I've said to them hold. Uh huh. Just hold off because yeah. you had all the forward bookings. All of a sudden, from that initial, there's 12 notes of interest. And from a selling people, do you want to, you know, grossly push the market? No, you don't. Mm. But that's the sale and dem- supply and demand thing. Yeah. And by telling them to hold, they're going to get more. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to and in the majority of cases. And I guess that's what I'm saying that it's those who are educated in the ways of the estate agent will always go down the route if they're wanting the best price will always go down the route of an estate agent um, who's going to offer them the full package and not your listed package. Correct. So, well, you, you, I mean, obviously, it's no secret that they've been pulled up on on their average savings, which are unfounded, yeah, and they've yeah, obviously yeah. had their knuckles wrapped over it. Yeah. 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 So, at the end of the day as a mainline estate agent, and it's not true in every case, but if we were to get you £20,000 more than what they would do you, mm-hmm. do you, and we have charged you £3,000, mm-hmm. so you effectively have that. made a £17,000 gain. Yeah. So I walk up to you in the street and say, you know, give me £3,000 and I'll give you £17,000 back. Would you yeah. do it? Yeah. It's a no-brainer. Uh-huh. So you know that—that's the differences, and that's where. And I think the slight thing for us is we we are home report driven, so the value's there. So mm-hmm. the value has to be set at a price. In England, there are no home reports, so you can set it offers in the region of. Yeah. So you can set it higher than your home report value or higher than the property's worth, and and try and you know get the market share from doing it that way. That's very hard here in order to do that because yeah. we have home reports with valuations on them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting times. Yeah. Interesting times and no doubt that the story will, will run and run and uh, it will be interesting to see if we could move forward 10 years time exactly where we were, where we were sitting. 
Yeah, I think it's very interesting, and in as I said to you before, you know, looking at what Slater Hogg have done, and if you look across the roads when you leave, you'll see the balloon in the window was 795, including that, and all the balloons along the bottom. Now, Slater Hogg were the absolute premier brand in Glasgow at one point. Yes. Uh, and probably been overtaken, well, I know they've been overtaken by, you know, Coram and ourselves, and and various things and the 795 is they'll be openly honest about it is absolutely to go toe-to-toe with purple bricks yeah but what it is is a inquiry build listings give you a non-service so it's a hook to transfer you across to mainline estate agency so it's actually very clever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's a it's a it's a, a model that countrywide have been very successful with down south Okay. So we are monitoring it and we're looking at it and it's very interesting. Good, good. Well, listen, as ever, I mean, I've been doing the, the Bricks and Mortar podcast now for uh, about uh, 18 months or so. And the way that the show works is sometimes I'll just do a solo show about the, the legalities or property or finance. And then the other shows will be doing interview shows. And it really is. I enjoy the interview shows so much better, mainly because I don't have to prepare as yeah, much. Exactly. <laughs> and I do apologise well, for not glad you sent you over. script 15 minutes before <laughs> I came in. <laughs> All my questions. So you'd said to me that you hadn't listened to, to the show yet, but rest assured when we put this on, you'll be listening yeah. to it. So I've got, so I'm, I'm going to hijack you here insofar as you won't know this, but we've got 10 questions that we always ask our guests all about firsts okay Uh and so first house oh my god uh mogai right and uh when did you buy that 2002 okay um makes money out of it hi alison he's not saying okay (laughs) next is first tea first tea or football would you rather first tea first tea golf handicap seven where do you play off Seven. No, no, where do you uh, play? Killerman. Killerman. Good yeah. stuff. Um, first medal, not to do with golf, but first sporting medal? Arlington Bass. A swimmer? 90, yeah, 1982, gold medal, front crawl. Front crawl, one length? Yeah, right. 25 metres. No, 20, I think. It's, it's 20, 20 metres. It's the smallest pool. Was. Arlington's smallest. a big pool. <laughs> <laughs> first job before you got... I watched this in Switzerland. All right, okay. Yeah. Selling the watches as a Saturday day job? Yeah, Saturday job. Have you ever trusted me with that? No, (laughs) Saturday job. (laughs) Um, And did you get paid commission on on what you sold? Uh, Only only in what they termed as B-stock. Which right. is all the stuff they couldn't sell. All right, okay, so here, fill your boots. <laughs> Let's see how good a salesman you, you really can are. Get rid of that Patek Philippe from uh, whatever. Right. <laughs> um, first car? Uh, a Fiesta. Oh, well, there's a smile on his face. Popular plus. Okay. Colour? Blue. Um, stereo? B498 OSB. <laughs> When you, when if you do listen to any of the interviews, it is the one question I always ask that people are just everybody knows their first registration number. Uh-huh. It's brilliant. So Ford Poplar, how much do you pay for it? Nine, uh, nine fifty. And did you scrap it or did you sell it on? I sold it on <laughs> to some other mug. <laughs> first film. Oh, I, I've got to say Top Gun probably. First film you ever went to see? Oh, I've no. no idea. Top Gun. That yeah. was your favourite film. Favourite film. Top Gun. That was at uh, Making the Mirren, another one. Uh, Mirren Cinema, and uh, it was the days you could smoke at the back. 
I'm all right. Yeah. Did you go with a girlfriend? Uh, I went with a few. <laughs> <laughs> that to Top Gun or to the to the <laughs> cinema? <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> Juggling. Um, first foot or stay in? Oh, first food. Foot, foot, party animal. Um, and then uh, first pet, that's the last one. First pet. Uh, a mongrel dog. Right. Called Cleo. Fantastic. <laughs> Johnny, it's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you um, very I much. I do wish you all the best here. Um, I don't think you need my uh, best wishes because I'm sure you make an absolute roaring success here. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Thank you. Good to see you. I really enjoyed Johnny's interview. I have to say that he's the consummate professional. I had hoped to get some questions out to him two or three days before, just a sort of running list of what we were going to talk about. And and me bad, I didn't send them out until I think the day before. And uh, Johnny hadn't had a chance to look at them. But as he said, he performs best on the hoof. And I think you'll uh, agree that uh, he ha- he was in top form there. That The, the talk there about Purple Bricks and, and what he thought um, they were going to end up looking at doing. Just great insight, great insight. I went back out to the south side. The Retty's had their opening do. Uh, they were opening the doors, or have been opening the doors, I think, for a couple of weeks. But they were having their opening night, and uh, there was just the usual chat introduction by Johnny. There was the nibbles there, there was the the drinks, and uh, it was all the fun of the fair. Uh, but I, I popped my head outside uh, onto Kilmarnock Road, and I tell you what, I'm not wrong about there being fierce competition there. Within eyesight, outside of Retty's offices, you've got future properties, okay? They're doing the auction side of things. Directly across the road, you've got Corum. To the right-hand side, you've got Aberdeen Considine, who, as Johnny said, there just seem to be eating up uh, and buying into the Glasgow market. ANS Ireland, obviously, they bought into them, and I know that they've started to look at firms in Stirling, so they're making a big, big impact on the uh, on the estate agency side. And then just down the road, you've got our friends at Clyde, uh, and then you've got Countrywide and Slogs. That's not to say all the other GSPC stuff, so it's a tough, tough market, um, but as I say, Johnny just talks a great game, and I'm sure that uh, certainly the team that he introduced me to there, they've got a great, great chance. So we're going to have a look now at... Oh, I tell you what, Gazumping's back. The market in Glasgow, especially the West End, for sort of one and two bedroom flats, it's electric at the moment. I mean, stuff's coming on, and then before you know it, it's it's going off the books and what's happening is that gazumping has started to rear its head. I think I'm going to do another show on gazumping because I think it's probably the time is right just to get people to understand that if they're starting mucking about with the system then we're hell in a handbag. I'm telling you this now that if the professionals don't play ball, that's the solicitors and the estate agents, then it's going to be turmoil out there, I have to say. Listen, there's nothing we can do about the greed 
of the public, okay? Nothing. You know, you, you can't do anything about a seller wanting to get as much for the property as possible. And you can't do anything about the purchaser who's lost out on five or six properties and this is the one that they have to get and they'll do anything at all to ensure that they buy that property. There's nothing you can do about that. That'll always be the case. They'll always be there. But the professionals have to play the game. Solicitors have to be refusing to putting in offers after the closing date. And estate agents, you know, they need to tell the clients when they're being instructed, these are the rules of the game. Because unless they do that, then it, it's going to be warfare out there. I know it's all to do with the market that we've got at the moment. And I think as more supply comes in, if they do anything with LBT and the stamp duty, uh, that will then allow the top end of the market to move forward, which will then mean that the bottom end, there should be more stock that's coming on. But for goodness sake, we are walking a tightrope at the moment. I'm still doing my BNR, still doing an educational slot. You'll recall last week that we were talking about risk and how if you, in your personal life or in your professional life, don't take risks, then you will stagnate. You know, risk is not always rewarded. You know, you can't say that taking a risk, you're always going to be rewarded. But if you don't take a risk and you do go down the complacency route, then you're going to stagnate. So you recall last week that I talked about there's three things that we're looking at with regards to how should you take risk in order to further your career or your personal life. And I'd said to you that you need to think about doing something a bit different. The second part of that is doing something and making it harder for you. So making something more difficult because if you do something that you know how to do like the back of your hand but you make doing that more difficult then there's a better chance of you mastering that finding something more about that particular aspect of your job that hadn't you had you made had you not made that more difficult then you would never have found out about so in putting it in context for the BNI, we've always got to do our 60 seconds stand up and do a talk. But so many people do that talk with notes in front of them. And what I've suggested that they do is that they do that without notes. Do the 10 minute presentation on the hoof without notes. Hell of a difficult thing to do. But I tell you what, if you can master that, then the benefits that you're going to gain from being able to walk into a room and to give a presentation without any notes it's a huge huge thing i guess from my point of view from the legal side and also from the finances side of things cold calling is something that you can really hone your telephone sales skills 
by doing that and that's something that I do on a regular basis because I understand that you need to make things more difficult for you if you are to master, become a master at what you do. Risk is not always succeeded with. You don't always become successful with taking a risk. But you can't be complacent. Stagnation is never rewarded. I'd said, didn't I, that uh, Robert Nixon and I'd had a cock up there with regards to the his interview. So we're going to get him back on. What would be great is that if you could leave a review on iTunes or your uh, podcast catcher of choice, if you can leave us a review on iTunes, then that will get us up the list and continue to gain traction. We're getting some great traction, both from the uh, the podcast and also from the website great great stuff and i think we had the the first uh, 300 downloads in the, in the week so slowly but surely we're getting up there really want to try and get that up to 500 listens a week that would just be fantastic so it's up to you you could uh, just share any any time you see one of my blogs then if you could share that then we really will get people onto the website and onto the podcast and then I can continue to deliver this education about buying and selling, renting or investing property because it is the property podcast, it is your property podcast, it is the bricks and mortar podcast, taking a sideways look at property. Mm -hmm.